Welcome into the roundtable. And uh, as everyone has known in the freight industry, the Borderlands area is booming. And what does that mean for economic investment? Well, obviously, a lot of economic investment is headed there. So with that, also a lot of manpower has to go there as well as the form of drivers. But how do you attract drivers into an area where you have maybe have a little bit more security issues uh, than perhaps most intercontinental or intercountry uh, routes there as well. Joining us to talk about it, we've got Noy Mahoney, our Borderlands writer from San Antonio, Texas, and the mobile voice of Marilyn Serber, as apparently she is on the road, exactly, uh, for joining us, I believe, from outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, but who knows where she is at this particular point. Nevertheless, Noy, um, kind of set the stage for us here. What's the difference right now for a driver being recruited to work basically in the United States versus one that could work cross-border into Mexico or in Mexico in and of itself? Um, well, the biggest difference is, uh, you know, for truck drivers in Mexico, they face uh, conditions that maybe drivers in the United States wouldn't face, such as um, the threat of cargo theft. That's a huge uh that's a that's a huge that's a huge thing in Mexico uh, that happens on a daily basis. Uh, so that's something that drivers in Mexico always have to be aware of and thinking, especially if they're driving or transporting loads in central Mexico, you know, around the Mexico City area. Um, other things is in Mexico, the road conditions, uh, the infrastructure uh, in a lot of places isn't. Uh, as good or what we have here in the United States. So road conditions are another factor. And also, you know, places to rest, you know, rest stops, rest areas. That's also something in Mexico that uh, has been an issue for Mexican truck drivers for quite some time. Uh, they don't have those amenities that drivers in the United States might have. Um, and then for drivers who want to drivers in Mexico who want to work in the United States or uh, transport loads cross-border, they have to apply for what we call a B-1 visa, uh, which would allow them to transport loads from a destination within Mexico or at the border into the United States. Gotcha there. So, Marilyn, that, that being said, how does your strategy change if it does change, knowing that there are, again, possibly more security issues to deal with uh, as you try to uh, negotiate uh, getting more drivers to work into what is obviously going to be a very lucrative opportunity for a lot of uh, big investors? That it's, you know, what Moy said is understanding what those differences are so that you can address the differences and making sure that you would have compensation or policies in place that allow for those things and protect those drivers. So, you know, like even, you know, delays at the border, if they're crossing the border and they have to sit, you know, in, in you know, at the border crossing for hours, then how do they get compensated for that? Or what are the security protocols, you know, that you're putting into place um, to, to protect from cargo theft. And I think it's about in your recruiting strategy is, you know, addressing those issues. So not pretending like those things aren't happening or that they're not different and talking to drivers about what you're doing at your company to help the driver face those issues. So now coming back to the American driver, or at least the driver in America that wants to do cross-border freight, are there differences there in terms of clearances? You mentioned the B-1 visa if you're uh, living south of the border and want to come across, are there, are there anything that you have to watch out for uh, if you're an American that also they have to take it, uh, into consideration? 
Um, as far as drivers in the U.S., you know, going into Mexico, that's that's as far as I know, that's not really a thing. Uh, uh, for for many reasons, uh, you know, probably a lot to do with you know passports and visas. But uh, I know a few years ago, I interviewed uh, or I did a story about a, a trucking company in Del Rio, Texas, which is uh, a city along the Texas-Mexico border, and it was about driver recruiting and what. The uh, recruiter for that company told me was um, she has a hard time recruiting Texas-based drivers or drivers in the U.S. when the oil industry in Texas is booming. She says that what happens in that, in that case, what happens uh, then is a lot of truck drivers will leave, you know, their truck driving jobs and go get jobs at oil rigs or oil operations uh, around the Southwest. So she said she's always competing against, you know, other industries that could take you know, possible driving candidates away from her company. Uh, and in, in a lot of cases, um, truck drivers, as Marilyn mentioned, they want, you know, certain hours or they want to be home at night or they, uh, you know, they, they don't want to do over the road. So she has to find uh, jobs within her company, you know, in Del Rio that can, that can satisfy a lot of different candidates. Marilyn, as you look at the situation with this, obviously, again, being a lucrative opportunity for a lot of big time investors, how much, I mean, are you looking at a significantly greater investment monetarily in terms of compensation uh, to try and, and get the drivers to do this? Or at the same time, also, do you have to invest a lot more in just being honest uh, as much as possible about the situation, given that, uh, you know, in, in certain cases, uh, drivers have been told one thing and they experience another. This is one of those things where you really need to be absolutely honest about the situation. Yeah, I think that, you know, we talk about that a lot, Bill, is that like, that's what the number one thing you hear from drivers, I think, whether it's US drivers or Mexican drivers is that they don't feel like they experience what they've been told. And so I feel like in, in this, these cases specifically, I think it is a monetary investment. But I think more than that, it's an investment, um, you know, in policy and in technology and security to just make sure that you have what you need to support those drivers, but you're going, yeah, you absolutely in those cases have to be honest, especially, you know, like if you have recruiters in the U.S. that are trying to recruit these drivers from Mexico to go into the U.S., those drivers probably, they know what the situation is in Mexico probably better than the recruiter. And so I think that just understanding that and being open and honest about it sets the stage for a good experience. But those drivers, they know what questions to ask. I mean, they know they know their business. And so I think they come to the table um, educated, you know, and armed with that information. And so I think we just have to be prepared as companies to be open and honest and, you know, face the reality of what the situation is and pay drivers, you know, for their time and um, what they're doing. But I think it is, you know, anytime there's specialty freight like that, whether it's, you know, going from Mexico into the U.S. or from Mexico all the way to Canada, right? Or are you CTPAT certified and all of those things? I think anytime there's specialty stuff, it's always going to cost a little bit more. But especially um, when there's security risks and things like that, it's, the freight is probably paying more too, right? So that should go, should definitely be passed down to the drivers. Noe, we've seen in recent months uh, an, an uptick. You've reported on uh, cargo theft. You're kind of taking a sharp upswing there as well. Obviously, with uh, cross-border freight being an incredible uh, opportunity there, you would only expect that to possibly go up uh, as the opportunity continues, correct? Yeah, I would, you know, 
the more freight on the road, the more opportunities for you know cargo thieves to target target it. And so uh, you would, especially uh, as nearshoring continues to Mexico, and you start to see more large factories come online. You know the Tesla factory and all the Tesla suppliers, as well as uh, you know other industries, furniture makers. That that just gives you know uh, cargo thieves more opportunities to target loads on the road. Marilyn, as as recruiters, or excuse me, as drivers do and start to take these jobs, and you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously listening to drivers and, and knowing that as well. How important then, as well, is feedback from those drivers after they take those jobs? Because the level of experience from one driver to another could vary quite widely from one to, to the next. Absolutely. Yeah, I think driver feedback is always important as long as you close that feedback loop and do something with the feedback. So I think mm -hmm. driver surveys are an amazing way um, to listen to your fleet and get information from your fleet so that you can make sure you're doing what you need to do on an ongoing basis to retain drivers. I would just say that if you're going to ask drivers and if you're going to survey drivers, you have to let the drivers know what you did with the information. Even if you can't solve the problem right then, you need to say, we hear you, we understand what you're saying, and we're working on this or we're working on that. So I think driver feedback is great, but remember, you have to respond to the feedback if you ask for it. Just got a little time left here, Marilyn. Let me finish with you. Just in terms of your pitch to a driver that you want them to work cross-border freight, what are things one, two, and three you want them to understand? Um, I want them to understand that we're on their side, right? That we're going to take care of them and, and the specific issues that they have in that specialty freight and that they're going to be compensated well and that they're going to be, uh, they're going to be safe, right? I think safety and security um, is paramount. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this situation evolves over time, given the fact that, again, it's an economic boomtown uh, moving uh, freight across the border. And who knows how exactly how this is going to play itself out. Hopefully we can get things a little bit safer, a little bit more stable uh, to get drivers to be able to do this. Marilyn and Noah, thanks so much for joining us for our roundtable. Thanks, guys. All right, well, we'll take a short break and come back and wrap up this edition of Fruit Waves Now right after this.